I just wrote down before, how hungry are we? I hope you're hungry today. Starving. I never eat before I preach. And by 12 o'clock, I am starving. And I want to encourage us to have an appetite for God's word like we have an appetite for physical food. That we are... You know what it's like when you get starving for food? Anyone else get weak? Get a bit apathetic? Get a bit anxious, maybe a bit aggressive? Need a bit of chocolate? That's not me, that's Danielle. Um, (laughs) I'm only kidding. Uh, By the way, the hat's not mine. Did I get that out there? Hat's not mine. But how hungry are we? You know, when you come through these doors, when you go to gatherings and small groups and discipleship groups, when you meet up with people, are you expecting on every time we gather God to turn up and do something? Are we expecting God to shift us and align us in some way? Do we come with that level of expectation? You know, when I watch Liverpool play, it's a bit depressing at the moment. Can't even beat Flaming Blackburn. But when I watch Liverpool play, you know what? I have an expectation that they're going to win. I turn on my TV with an anticipation of excitement and joy and and happiness like my team is playing and I'm really getting into the whole thing because I want them to do well. And all sorts of emotions are experienced as I go through that and endorphins are released and I jump around the lounge and I roll my ankle because I'm getting excited. And I think, do we come into God's presence like that? Do we come into Sundays, morning or night or in the afternoons or groups during the week where we literally expect God to do something, to shift something, that the power of God comes to transform you? Or is it just to, I don't know, have a chat and reason? Well, there's nothing better to do, so I might as well go there and fulfilling my tick-in-the-box exercise. I don't know. But I hope you come hungry because God responds to hunger. He's a hungry God, isn't he? He says, do this, do that, do this, be this, be that. He's got huge expectation. And I wonder if we do. I wonder if we carry that expectation of what Jesus said, I will build my people. I will build them to a blueprint, to an accuracy where they are able to do and be what I have in my head of what they should look like. Wow, that's huge. It's massive. And um, this morning I'm going to talk about the kingdom and the king. And I'm going to talk about this over the next few weeks. I really don't know how long for. I know it's the next few weeks. It might turn into two months or so. The kingdom is the king and I'm going to ask Ian to show a clip and I want you to listen to the words of Pilate and I want you to listen to the words of Christ and allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you right now through these words. Are you the king of the Jews? Does this question come from you? 
Or have others told you about me? Do you think I'm a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priests who handed you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No. My kingdom does not belong here. Are you a king, then? You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose. To speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth? Powerful, isn't it? Incredibly powerful. In the next few weeks, I want to share about, as I said, this kingdom and the king. And the first thing, there's two things, but the first thing that I want us to start grappling with or understand if we don't already is that Jesus came to fulfill the establishment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven on his first visit. He came to model for us as a man what's possible through a life of the Spirit and the Word. That is incredibly powerful. You can grab that. What's possible when we as the church individually and as a body partake not just in him but of him. Of his sufferings. Of his nature and character and in the external workings that he did. He did all these things as a man. being empowered and led by his spirit, hearing, being able to hear the Father's voice and obeying his voice. Because it's one thing, as we heard this morning, just to hear it, but then you've got to obey it. There's not much point in just hearing it if you don't obey it. The, the growth, the, the, the learning process is in hearing, but also in obeying. It's weird. True knowledge is found through the experience of the process because the experience is to teach us, is to be shaping us to, that we learn and grow and see, you know, whoa, look, it happened. Not just for us to enjoy ourselves, but for others to be influenced by and to have the workings of his kingdom unfold in front of us you realize that the kingdom of God operates in an unseen realm and that he brought things from the unseen realm into this realm. There was no fish and all of a sudden there were 153 fish. He took nothing and multiplied it to make 153. Now, when you take nothing and multiply one, you get what? Nothing. And the church is to walk in an unseen realm because it's a spirit realm and be able to see and perceive this realm and draw resource from it by faith and bring it here on earth to see 
heaven invade earth, the will of God. That's the church that he wants established, that he's building. We are, he wants us to be able to do the works that he did and more. John 14, 12. The second element we need to understand of this kingdom is that when he returns on his second visit to earth, he will complete the establishing of this kingdom literally. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 that the government will be on his shoulders and he will rule and reign here on earth. Go have a read, Isaiah 9. The disciples in Acts 1.6 said to him, is it now he'd come to earth, he died, he'd then come back for 40 days, is it now that you will establish your kingdom? What were they talking about? This kingdom is vast. Since the kingdom of God goes forever. And the challenge for the church today is to be able to see and hear and perceive what God has for us. A picture of what we are really called to do that goes way beyond having our individual sin made whole for. That is part of the process. But Paul said, I come preaching Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. I come preaching Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus himself said in Matthew 4, 17, repent because the kingdom, my kingdom is at hand. I've just brought with me my kingdom. Where is it? You only look like one man. Can't you see it? No. It's an unseen realm, but it's seen through the eyes of the Spirit. And God gives us the resource, the keys, to tap into this kingdom. It's beautiful. It's amazing. The Bible says, no eye has seen, no mind has conceived what God wants to do through you and me. But it comes through the Spirit. Not through human logical reason, but through the Spirit. And what's fascinating, it says, It talks about for those who love him. So what's it saying is, you know what, do we love God? Really love him, that we would spend time with him, develop intimacy with him, where he would show us things of the spirit, that you know what, if you're not doing that, you haven't got a clue about. Love, I love my wife, I want to spend time with my wife. Not just once a week or once a month, 24-7, we engage in a process. I'm purposeful. Intimacy is what he's after, people. And through intimacy, you need to love. Don't we? You need love to, for intimacy, don't you? If you don't love something, you're not going to spend the time with it. It's no different to our relationship. He loves us. He has so much for us. And for those who will spend the time of intimacy and fall in love, he will show us things because of the quietness and the space you are now in. But it's got to come from love. Everything is about love in his kingdom. And no different to me and my girls, I have a world full of stuff for them. And as we engage in that relationship and they come to me and I go to them, they're learning and growing and seeing things that they never perceive if they didn't. Does that make sense? I'm going to let that sit for a couple of seconds.
Do we all have a role to play now in this thing called the kingdom? And the role we play now will determine the role we play in the future. It's as simple as that. The role we play now will determine the role we're going to play in the future. And I shared about living at 10,000 feet last week, and that was okay. That's fine. 5,000. Mount Everest is 29,000 feet approximately high. And do we want to, as a church, as a community, contend for what's in this book, the fullness of what's in this living, giving manual? And climb the mountain. Because at every level of height of the mountain, you start seeing more, don't you? A picture at a thousand feet. Imagine if I was flying around in a helicopter now at a hundred feet. I could look down Wellington and see some things. Imagine if I got taken to a thousand feet, what I could see. I now see the stadium. I now see uh, Miramar. I now see Strathmore. I now see the airport. I couldn't see it at a thousand feet. Paul says, you don't know as you ought to know. What's he saying? There is more. Holy Spirit wants to reveal more to what we currently know today. And I guess our challenge is, are we interested in that? Are we really interested or not really? And the choice is ours. There's no condemnation. But just choices, well, you know, it's like, Pick your options. If you want the full option, here it is. This is what it means and this is what it requires. Count the cost. And if you want this option, this is what this means. And if you want that. But as a father, I want everyone to experience, he's saying, the fullness of what's contained in here, in my kingdom. And we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. Jesus brought his kingdom with him. Another worldview, another perspective, another reality just arrived on earth. And as I said, it's an unseen reality, but it becomes seen. Starts within the heart of a person and it transitions out. It's not an outside in, it's an inside out one. That's why Jesus said the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. Every kingdom issue is a heart issue. First and foremost, it's a heart issue. That's why repentance unlocks the depths of the kingdom. Because you start seeing as God sees, you start perceiving as He does. Now when I say repentance gets you in, doesn't it? But a continuous lifestyle of you know coming before God and going, oh my goodness, nine months ago here, for those that were here, I repented right here and I wept. The reason for that is, is because I started, God took a veil off my eyes when I could start seeing more and I'd realised that I'd been slightly not doing it the way he wanted it done. And it caused me to, to break down and cry. I didn't feel bad for myself. I'm sorry, God, the fact that I love you and I don't want to do this well and I haven't been able to see because there's obviously something in my heart and you've decided for whatever reason to remove it and now I can see through intimacy with you. 
And it's a journey of repentance that we've got to come back, not for the stuff like, well, you know, I was having sex and now I'm not having sex or I used to lie. No, no, no. Our mindsets, the way we do things, our mode of operation, thinking that we have it all together, thinking that as people, you know, we don't need God, we don't need more of you, we have it sorted. We need to repent of those mindsets and get on our face and go, you know what, without you I'm nothing. I owe you nothing. I want to just serve you in my life. You know, I speak to Christians that think God owes them something. Well, you know what? I have people say to me, well, if, if you don't do this, I won't serve you in this place. You're not serving me. You're serving the king. We've got to look at our attitudes and our motives and bring them into an alignment to his kingdom if we ever expect to see his kingdom unfold in our lives. And it's a kingdom of repentance. I'm sorry. Show me. I am sorry. I'm not talking about beating yourself up, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about going back. I'm just talking about like, it's the softening of our heart to go, oh my goodness, what a muppet. What a donkey. He goes, it's all right, son. Now embrace with what you're seeing and share with others what you're seeing. So we can all be on this process. Thanks. Just come with me to John 18. I'm just going to read those words out again that you just heard from Jesus. John 18, verse 33. He's standing before, if you're new here and you really don't know what that was about, that was Jesus standing before a man called Pilate who was a governor of Judea and it was just before Jesus was about to be crucified. John 18, verses 33. It says this, Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, No, I'm not a Jew. I'm not one of you. Your own nation and your chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. This is a powerful statement. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants here, my buddies, would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. I've brought a totally different mode of operation to earth. It turned up when I turned up. Therefore Pilate said to him, "Ah, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is on the, sorry, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? You've been asked that question by people? What is truth? Is there any such thing as absolute truth? Yep, it's Jesus. He said it's me. And the challenge for the church is to walk and be in a relationship where we are being moulded and shaped to the accuracy of truth. Jesus. 
So if you closed your eyes and just saw that man as representing Christ and just went, I'm walking in the Spirit to be in alignment to him. The words that he says, the way he postures himself, what he's capable of doing is truth. The words that he brings, the truth shall set you free. The power, the real truth sets you free. The truth. The whole world is fighting, trying to find truth. We create our own truth, don't we? The whole world creating their own truth because they don't ever want to face a God who will judge them at the end of time. So we hoodwink ourselves and we come up with our own truth because it makes us feel good for the moment. But it has no life in it. It's a dead end. Another one. And another one. And this man stands, he says, you know what? My kingdom, it's not of this world. If it was, see my buddies here, they'd be running right over now and giving you what for. And these fellows looking with monkey suits and funny hats and all that, they wouldn't be allowing me to bring them me before you right now. But it's not. Because it's not of this world, I'm standing before you. I'm here as a sign. I'm here as a witness. I'm here as a signpost. I'm a statement from heaven for all of mankind to see that the way I'm reacting is from another kingdom and that those that follow me can enter into that kingdom and partake of that kingdom. It is phenomenal. The first thing we need to realise and comprehend as followers of Jesus is that his kingdom is totally and radically different than the one we've all come from and been in at some stage. Its modes of operations are different. Its patterns are different. The way it functions is completely different. It is a totally different kingdom to the one of the world. The kingdom has its own worldview, its own perspective. And if all we do is leave the kingdom of the world and come into God's kingdom with our modes of operations from the world, then all we will ever, sorry, we will never inherit what God has for us. And I realised nine months ago that, you know, what, what I'd done, not in the fullness, but I'd taken patterns and I'd taken leadership principles and I'd taken stuff that I'd learnt in business and just in life. And I entered this other world called the kingdom and brought all that stuff with me and started to try and apply it here at the rock and in my world and wondering why things aren't working out. There's no life in it. There's a lot of frustration in it. And God, they don't do what I asked them to do and they can't see this and they can't see it. And God said, well, look at yourself, son. There's a pattern in which it's supposed to be built. I couldn't see it. Maybe because I had a veil that I didn't even know was there. And I'd just taken stuff that I thought was right and brought it and it wasn't functioning. Its mode of operation wasn't working because this is a totally different kingdom. He says, I'm going to do it. So get your hands off it. Get over that side where you belong and now I've got the wheel. And that's the challenge for every single one of us, isn't it? To get our hands off that stick that we control. You can have those four things, but you ain't getting that. 
Because if I let go of that, I've got nothing. And some of us would rather stay with our rubbish and the stuff we've got than let go and enter an unknown zone, but find the known zone, which is freedom and life, because it is a bit of scary. That's why I've got to move by faith. His kingdom, God, is not of this world. This is fresh to me. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, we're all walking this together. And it is exciting and awesome. The kingdom of the world is one of the flesh. It's of human logic and reason. It's full of man's wisdom and man's intelligence and intellect. Listen to Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know what? It's time the church started and I started to get a little bit more fear of the Lord. Respect and honour for the bigness and the vastness of who he is. Instead of thinking I've got it all together in my own little world in Campbell, my own little family. The fear of the Lord is motivating. The fear of the Lord is to, is to, is to catapult you into his presence when you understand that. How big are you? And I'm invited to partake. You're either an idiot or you're brilliant. I'm going with the brilliant because I know who the idiot is. And somehow it ain't him. (laughs) Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he comes to the Corinthian church and he says, guys, I long to speak to you in the spirit, but you are still walking in flesh and I cannot speak to you as I want to because you are still sucking on milk. There are things I long to teach you. There are things I long to show you, but I can't because you can't handle it. I read yesterday that some of the church thought Paul was a deceiver. That what he taught was deceiving them. So there's real tension, isn't there, in discovering truth, ultimate truth, alignment. If the Apostle Paul is called a deceiver by the church, that's why we need to contend and walk together in love. And do this well. And so if someone is going slightly off, what do you do? You don't slap them out of the head and say, out your bike, put your arms around them. Let's do this together. Mm. Me and Johnny met just the other week in the cafe and just talked over some things. I'm not sure if I'm seeing that. You're seeing this. What do I, well, I don't know about that. What about this? And we, 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 as brothers in love, work things through. The world's realm is limited. I tell you, I feel like a kid with a new toy. I feel like I've been reading this book and overnight he just wrote another book. I'm like, I've read that before. I never got that. Why? Because I've got new lenses on through Revelation. John 3, 27, a man can only receive what's given him via Revelation. The revelation of the truth moves you, shapes you, forms you, changes you. doesn't just fill you here. So if you read this and there's not transformation happening, you're missing something. You're acquiring head knowledge, but the knowledge is never to stay there. It's not true knowledge if it doesn't enter here and start coming out of you. If you don't have a greater love for God, a greater love for people, and making disciples, reaching a lost world, serving others through reading this book, then can I suggest you just have head knowledge? It's not the knowledge that this is talking about. It has to come forth. Love edifies. Knowledge makes you arrogant. 
It's to form us, make us into something. So every day, every week, every month, every year, you know what? Because of revelation of love, you're climbing that mountain. To be honest, you're not satisfied at the bottom. You're not satisfied where you are because you start seeing more. And you go, I want more of that because you love them. So it's not through religious works. It's not through religious, oh, crikey, Greg said this and I now have to go do this. Seek the Father. Ask for a revelation. If you, don't, if you know in your heart today that you're really struggling to know him and love him, start right there and say, get honest with him. You know what, God? I don't really have a lot of love for you. don't really love your people. And I don't love the lost and I don't want to go make disciples. In fact, I'm really struggling. Help me. Would you help me? That's all he wants. His love has covered you. His grace has covered you. You can't go, any, you can't go lower than that. That's what's so beautiful about it. Help me. And you know, we've got to get broken. We're going to get broken. The flesh has to break for the Spirit to come forth. John 3, 1 to 8. This is a... I mean, I've read this before, but this has so much new life. And Once again, through dialoguing with, with Johnny, you know, we were talking some stuff. He said, look at this. And I'd never seen it before. And I'm going to sh- share this. You know, it's, it's where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, now there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. John 3, number 1. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's interesting, isn't it? He he comes at night because he's fearful of his mate. He's fearful. He's seeing some things. He's perceiving the Christ. He says, you know what? Men can't do this. I know who you are. But there's this fear of the old life. There's a fear. You know, when you transition, when you start to move, the fear will always try and keep you back. The fear will always try and speak to you and tell you, don't let go. Don't let go. It could be weird land. It could be the promised land. Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. What does that mean? You acknowledge 
with your mouth and your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour of your life. At that moment in time, the Spirit of God by faith comes, enters your heart. There is a transaction that happens. You are now spiritually born again, alive. You can now see, not physical sight, sight. Paul said, I keep praying that your heart would be enlightened. You now start to see from the eyes of your heart this dynamic kingdom that Jesus brought. You have not yet entered it. You can just see it. Are you with me? But if you want to now enter it, start partaking actively of the kingdom and its perspectives and its realities, Jesus said you must be born of water and the Spirit. What does the water represent? I went and had a look and there's three sort of ideas. The main idea it's talking about is a water baptism. What does a water baptism represent? It's a decision, a commitment to die to old patterns, old ways. Not just, you know what, I was living with my girlfriend, having sex and I'm going to wipe that off. Or, you know what, I've just been... I'm a bit of a stingy person, so I think I'll start throwing some money or I'm starting to sit. No, no. I'm talking about the way we think, the way we operate. Mindsets, processes, the way of doing things, our thinking, our learning patterns, how we lead and build God's people, how we speak, how we teach, our modes of operation. in that water. And I come up now engaging in a spiritual kingdom. Now the reality is, that's why God says, that's the whole purpose of sanctification, is that you die now. Because when you walk through one door, you still have all those things, don't you? Even when you get baptised, you come up and you still have these things. So he says, now it's a process of death. I've got a message, I don't have a brand called Come to Your Own Funeral. <laughs> I wonder what that would be like. I wonder how many people would be there. That's what you get invited to. What did Paul say? Paul is a beautiful picture. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul is a human representative of what we are to be doing and looking like because he's representing Christ. That's how close it is. And Paul got up and said, the life I live, I'm crucified. I said this last week. And the life I now live, I live by faith. I'm walking and perceiving things of the Spirit. This man had incredible head knowledge, didn't he? Where did it get him? Killing Christians. And then God decides in a power encounter to invade his world and wallop. He start, opens up to the spiritual dimensions. But I love about him, you know, he... He continued in that, that heart posture of humility. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't deserve to be doing what I'm doing. If you knew me before, but see, he heard the words. He had an encounter with a revelation which moved him. That's why revelation is the key. Not just even reading some scriptures passages and being able to quote them. It's a good start. 
But if Revelation, if, if Revelation Scripture doesn't in, take us to an encounter with Christ, it can just be religious activity. I hope you're getting this. The Word of God is to shift and change and move you through a renewed mind. And we're going to get to that. The key to seeing and entering and inheriting God's kingdom is the renewed mind. Romans 12, 2. Tell someone if you are, man, I'm being challenged. (laughs) This is messing with my thinking a little bit. Do you know what? It should. It actually should. If you leave from hearing God's word and and it hasn't sort of, then I think it's maybe not the living word. It should get you to think. The Bible says it's called to rebuke, reproof, correct, straighten. You know, sometimes we come here and we go, you know, I've had a crazy heavy week. I just want something that makes me feel good. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong, wrong, but it's a little bit far from the fullness of what this is about. It's called, the Word of God is called to accurately build you to a pattern. And Moses said, God said to Moses, you have built by the pattern I gave you accurately this tabernacle, well done, and poured out blessing." See, it's not just about casual. It's not just about willy-nilly. It's not just about everyone giving it a go. There is a blueprint of the kingdom of how it operates. And if we truly want to engage with it, we need to flow in that operation. It ain't rocket science. And this is part of it, the renewed mind. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, here we go, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. This, and some singing, is an element of worship. Living, we're alive, yes? Put ourselves on the altar to death, constantly. Constantly is actually worship. A lifestyle of death, life comes. It's his life in you, engaging in him, is true worship. The giving of one's life completely is what worship is. This is what he's saying. The problem with that is that living vessels, I've said this before, keep climbing off the altar. (laughs) Think about it. Because it's not the easiest process to go through, but it's the one we are called to. Anyone who wants to come after me must deny themselves. It ain't just nice words, guys. This is the Lord, the magnificent one going, if you want to come after me, love you too, but you've got to deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Follow me. Where are we going? Don't ask that because you won't want to come. What's it going to cost? You really don't want to know that. (laughs) Why do you think the disciples didn't ask those questions? They actually were a little bit smart. His kingdom is unseen, but it does exist for those where this thing is coming alive and alive and alive. And people are partaking of it all around the world today, seeing incredible things supernatural things happen 
I heard a story from Bill Johnson where this girl was healed of um, bipolar by looking at a picture that someone had painted with the word hope on it. Just hope. A man walked past where the, where the painting was and was healed because of the anointing just coming off. The, he didn't even go in the room. Kingdom activity exploding because some people, God's people, are tapping into a kingdom that is unseen but bringing it into the scene through him. It's all about him, through his word, being able to hear the living word. I'm asking God, what is the word for the day for today? And until I get that, you know, you might turn up next week. No, he's given me it already, but... <laughs> Let's just say, sorry guys, we can't preach today. I don't have this living word. Now, I'm not saying God can't give you a living word a year out. But are we walking in that level of intensity that we hear the word that shifts us, that actually moves us, not just, well, that was really nice and I leave, but it doesn't make any difference. It's just filled me with information but not transforming or transformation. The Word of God, it says, it says here, okay, verse 2, and do not be conformed, it says in the NIV, to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. What is the will of God? In simple terms, who can tell me? No, sort of. What's the, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven is the will of God. So it encapsulates all those things you said, but it means bringing his kingdom, which is actually on earth now in an unseen realm, out into our reality. So when you come to people and you speak, That's why it's incredibly important that we know it's living. He says, speak this over that person and watch what I'll do. Boom. It's power. The Bible says if you don't have power, you have a form of of, of it, doesn't it? Mm. Paul said, this isn't about words, this is about power. Mm. A church without power is missing something. Me and you are the church. Yeah? It's not this building, me and you. We are called, guys, to move and shift in realms that your mind cannot perceive right now. It will only come as you renew this mind. How do you renew this mind? Through the Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. That's one of the big reasons he was sent. Jesus couldn't do anything without hearing. He was in in cooperation with the Spirit. I'm going to just mention these things again. What are these patterns? Our methods of learning, building, thinking, mindset, teaching, our methods of leadership, our systems, our modes of operations and all the processes we have learnt in the world system. How do we receive a transformed life? Through the renewing of the mind. How do we renew our minds? Through the spirit. It's a transformed person that transforms a neighbourhood. It's a transformed person that transforms a city. It's not someone who has prayed a prayer one day who has knowledge, but the knowledge isn't 
outworking itself through the Spirit. Does that make sense? I'm just really trying to get this point across that it's not just about filling this information. It has to be forming you for it to be real. Jesus said, the words I speak are life. They move and shift things. And we are the temple. It's us. Listen to this. I love this statement. Our minds are either at war with God or they are being renewed by God. This kingdom isn't one of human logic and reason. As I said before, we fished all night. Didn't catch anything. We'll throw it over here. Grab a little bit of resource from this kingdom. I submit it under this kingdom. And then it fed 20 odd thousand people. Even Jesus asking you to die to yourself is not logical, is it? Anyone, anyone find that logical? For how on earth do you... It's through revelation of the Spirit. You know, Spirit. Lose your life to find your life. What are you talking about? His kingdom isn't of reason, it's not of logic, but it is if your eyes are open. That's what Bill Johnson said. The renewed mind only happens in and in through a divine encounter with God. He says a revelation from Scripture must take us into a divine encounter Otherwise, it makes us more religious. And we have had enough theory. A renewed mind sees from divine perspective. A renewed mind comes into the reality of how God thinks and operates. It moves and sees in the unseen realm. It starts to engage with his kingdom, bringing things from an unseen realm into a seen realm. And I'm just going to share this one last story from Mark. Because this, I hope, will just give insight, seeing into this passage, some of the depths of what is in this passage. It's Mark 8, and we'll start at verse 14. See, Jesus has, and the disciples have just fed 5,000 people, which is roughly about, say, 12, because it says men, and they had their wives and their children. They then go and feed 4,000 other people, let's say, 10,000 people. So they're rocking up now, you know, there's at least 20 odd thousand people that have just been fed. They now go into this boat and Jesus is in the boat with them. Pick it up in verse 14. They had forgotten to take bread, did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Who would have been keen to answer that question? (laughs) You're standing there going, what the flip is he talking about? (laughs) But I'm not asking the question, are you? Because they know they're supposed to have seen something and understood something because they're worrying about lunch and bread and he's talking about leaving of the Pharisees and of Herod. But your Peter was probably 
What is he talking about? Jesus wanted them to see something in what they just did. Now listen, they were obedient to what he asked them to do in that, in that miracle, in those miracles, to a point. In fact, in, in the first one, he said, you give them something to eat. But they couldn't see it, they couldn't operate in it, and they said, well, where are we going to get it from? But they're genuinely obedient to what he asked them to do. They're part of the miracle. They're handing out loaves, they're doing things. But when they come back into the boat and they start, Jesus starts to discuss, they don't get it. Why? They haven't got a renewed mind. They're not seeing through the Spirit what just happened. They're thinking he's talking about bread. They're thinking he's talking about lunch. And then Jesus makes a statement. He says, is your heart still hardened? Let me read you this. A hard heart interferes with the Holy Spirit's process of renewing the mind. That's why a heart of repentance is so important as we journey with him because if we think we've got it all down pat, if we think we know our theology back to front, if we think that we've never said anything wrong, you know, as, as I'm speaking and think I've never done that, then we are a little bit lost because there is more, there is more. And he's saying a hardened heart will stop the process of the Spirit renewing the mouth. Why? Because understanding comes where? Here first, Matthew 13. Understanding starts in the heart, not the mind. You can't perceive the things of God in your mind. It's no logic. It doesn't make any sense. It's only through the Spirit that it comes. And so it comes into the heart, up through, and the renewed mind now sees as God sees. So when you see things, perceive things, you go, Amen to that. Amen that I can pray for a sick man and see him healed. Amen that I can, I can give a hundred bucks and, and God takes it and, and feeds a thousand people with it. Amen to that. There is no logical reason human to it. But through a renewed mind, through the Spirit, I engage in the kingdom and literally see the kingdom start manifesting around me. That's the church's role. The role we are to play in, which will have an importance in the coming kingdom when he returns. What is this leaven? Pharisees and Herod. Reasoning, logic, human logic, our unrenewed mind that doesn't see or understand, and it's in the church. It's in us. And it's only through a process of intimacy and asking the Father He starts to reveal some things. Because I realized nine months ago I had a veil that I never even knew existed. And God revealed it through my relationship with him. Peter had a veil. Listen to this. This man was baptised in the Holy Spirit. This man goes from putting his foot in his mouth to being one of the great apostles. He he gets baptised. He preaches. 3,000 people get saved. He lays hands on people. He sees them saved. And when God came to him in a vision... Tied in with food, trying to say, you know, well, look at this feast. I'm not eating any of this, you know, Jewish custom. I've never eaten any of this stuff. And God says, God comes in three times in a dream, in a vision. He needs a revelation. What was that about? It was about that the Holy Spirit is for the Gentile people. 
There were men coming. Can you come with us? Because this other man has seen a vision and he's calling for Peter and what you have, you need to preach to these people who I'm going to turn up and come on. But Peter didn't get it. This is the great Peter, baptised in the fire of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, laying on of hands, and he still had a veil. And I went, God, how many more veils do I have? (laughs) And the one's bad enough. Thought I had it down. And to a measure I had. But I was living it, I don't know, 5,000 through intimacy. Whoa. Maybe this music team come up. And I was going to listen. This is to finish on this statement by Bill Johnson. As long as we subject our thoughts, emotions, perspectives, our worldview to a world of restriction and limitation, then we will be constantly beating our head up against a wall trying to get a breakthrough. Can't get our breakthrough we are looking for by obeying the laws of this world. Through the Spirit is a renewed mind. Intimacy in the Father brings revelation. Sight comes of another realm that's unseen. The church is called to walk in and draw from and impart here on earth. So the glory of God would fill the earth. People would see the Father. The manifestation of God would be through his church and wisdom and salvation is brought to this earth. I am challenged by that revelation. It scares me. I can't walk that alone. I need my fellow brothers and sisters to walk with me. I need to contend with my fellow brothers and sisters, dialoguing, loving, serving, walking together. That's discipleship. That's what real discipleship is. Acts 2, this community in each other's lives, loving, contending. Just devoting themselves to prayer, the apostles' teaching, fellowship and communion. Jesus and the kingdom. That means healing, means feeding the poor, looking after widows, orphans, means preaching and articulating the gospel message of Jesus with accuracy, and power, because it's, in, it's, the, it's the, the power of that seed is in the gospel and the kingdom. Our heart is to do all those things and come into the fullness of what is <laughs> this beautiful manual. There are pictures in here. And as we journey together as a community, we'll start seeing these, the fullness of these pictures. And so, I want to invite you to step out of faith right now. I just sense as I was in the prayer meeting before, is just to lay hands on people and to say, Spirit wanted to give an impartation today.
through the laying on of hands. And so if you want that, won't be long. I'm just going to put my hand on you and just pray that would come and that would be power, a transaction between you and God and the Spirit. Just come as we sing. If you don't, that's cool. Stay where you are. Worship. Pray for those that come forward.